You're listening to the Sourced Property Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Sourced Property Podcast. This is Monica from the marketing team at Sourced. And in today's episode, our managing director, Stephen, is joined by a very special guest, Kevin Willin. Kevin is the founder of Wealth Builders, who specialize in SaaS investments. So the main subject of this podcast is investing your pension through a SaaS wrapper. And Kevin, who we definitely consider an expert on the subject, will explain how exactly does the scheme work, who qualifies to use it, how to make the most out of it, and much more. So tune in and enjoy. Thank you, everybody, for joining us this week. This week, we're talking all about SaaS, and we've brought in one of the leading experts in the industry, uh, Mr. Kevin Wheeling. So thank you for joining us, Kevin. Good morning, Stephen. Nice to talk to you about the possibly the best-kept secret in the world of wealth building. So looking forward to sharing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it certainly opened my eyes uh, as I've got more and more into this sector and spoke more and more with yourself and, and started to understand just what a powerful tool this is. I suppose the more people I've met through the events that, that you're, you're with and that you're organizing, you kind of feel that everybody knows this huge secret. Uh, it'd be great to kind of share it with people. And First of all, let's, let's talk about yourself, Kevin. So if you could give everybody a bit of an introduction to who you are and a bit about your experience, that'd be fantastic. Sure, in, in just a couple of minutes for a potted history. So essentially, I'm the founder of a company, a family of companies actually called Wealth Builders, and our mantra is to create, build, and protect the wealth of our members. So we regard everybody as a member with a very strong passion around taking wealth as a holistic view, You know, trying to get everybody to a place of complete financial independence in the way that works best for them. And I've written a book called The Seven Pillars of Wealth, and I'm more than happy to make that available to you, Stephen. But the essence of it really it comes back to 2008 when the credit crunch came and I think we all know it was a true you know traumatic event for pretty much anybody who was serious about building wealth stock market crashed access to credit you know fell dramatically and what I could see then was people becoming disinterested or disenfranchised from their money really those people who had I suppose pensions was my bag then because I was an IFA in 2006 then how do you help people who've got pensions who are just riding the roller coaster of the stock market? I don't know about you, Stephen, roller coasters are great when you're a kid, but they're not so great when you get older. You know, they get a bit scary if you're relying on your income. And I just saw that was tragic. And then our clients were a bit more farsighted, were looking at property. They were buying property, but not getting as much credit as before. And I saw, well, hang on a minute, there's people who need a better solution for their money and their pensions. And there are people who've got great solutions, but don't have enough funding. And, you know, it wouldn't be too much of a, a jump of logic to think, hang on a minute, maybe there's an opportunity to start connecting that. So for about a decade now, Stephen, I've been connecting people with money and people with projects with a whole bunch of rigorous due diligence in the middle to make sure everybody's safe. And probably, you know, I don't know, I've lost count now, but but say several hundred joint venture connections later, not one person has lost a penny. And I'm very proud of that reputation. So everything we do is about helping people build wealth enjoyably and safely. I hope that's a good introduction. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I mean, it gives our listeners a real good understanding, I suppose, where you where it's come from. And was it a case then, obviously, when you were in the financial services, had you seen other people do anything exciting with the SaaS or were you just aware that actually it's there and it, it's kind of untapped? And is that how you kind of started moving into that sector? I think what happened was when you come from a place of trying to help people 
create the best outcome they can create for themselves, you suddenly realize that the financial services industry, for the sake of a term, is kind of not always stacked up to do that. So one case in point is we had one of our clients who wanted to do a commercial to residential conversion with their pension. Okay. And, you know, I was talking to one of our SIP providers at the time and I said, well, this is what the client wants to do. Will you do it? They said, yep, yep, Kevin, no problem at all. We'll do that. Yeah. And then, so we moved the client's money. They paid for the fees to move the money. This was into a SIP at the time. And then lo and behold, they said, oh no, we changed our mind. And it's like, whoa. And you suddenly realize that other people are in control of you and what you can do with your money. And that's the essence of understanding pensions. You know, they're trust funds, but somebody else is the trustee. So if you've got a pension with an insurance company, they're the trustee. If you've got a pension with an employer, they're the trustee. So the trustee is always the decision maker and actually technically the legal owner of the money. Those of us who have pensions are beneficiaries. And that's for another day. But what, what I realized then is, well, if this is going to happen and I have no control, the only way to get control is to, is to look further as to what's possible. And what's possible for business owners and business owners only is a vehicle known as SAS or small self-administered scheme. And I'll come on to what that means in a minute, I guess. But it just meant for me, for me personally and for my clients, that they become the trustee of their own scheme. And as a result of being the trustee, they can make their own decisions and, and, and take their own judgment calls. And, and that's really what I did is not just to create the, the concept of, um, no, I didn't create SAS. SAS has been going since the 70s. But by... Are you by, not trying to claim that, Kevin? No, 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 no. no. But, no. By claiming, <laughs> but by claiming, actually a bit of land space, which is how do we create a SaaS that will serve the needs of property people and business owners in a way that doesn't restrict them? And one of the things we did was we thought, well, the only way we can do this is to put a training course together that teaches people how to be a seriously professional trustee, a compliant trustee, a confident trustee, a competent trustee. And we did that. So by, by sort of doing education, putting the right people in support, knowing that it's all about connections, which are the three watchwords, education, support, and connection, we found that the whole process could work better. So by buying into a SaaS company and changing the way it marketed its services and how it delivered it, I think we've uh, managed to find a unique space in the marketplace that has worked outstandingly well for the people who are the trustees. So it's worked for them, of course, and naturally it's worked for us as well, self-servingly. Uh, in fact, you know, nobody leaves. Once somebody's got a SaaS and they've got that control, why would they give back that control to somebody else? So it's a good business model for all parties concerned. And for anybody in property, it's definitely something to look at either if um, you know they've got one of those old forgotten or frozen pensions or they want to connect with um, you know some of our clients with SASs in the community. I mean, the community now, Stephen, is about just over two thousand. And if the average investor in a SAS has got three hundred grand, that's you know six hundred million quid, and that's growing at ten to fifteen million a month. That's a lot of money. So yeah, huge there's lots of people who need help. Not everybody needs help because some people want to do their own thing. But increasingly, as business owners get the message, who are not property experts, you know, they're not into property, but they may want some of their money in property they're naturally looking for well who do i go as a source and your business is called source so you know why wouldn't they be looking to connect with people 
in your community as well. So I think it's a real good opportunity for the wealth builder community and the source community to see real value in each other. And I'm very excited about it, Stephen. So it's a great idea of yours to have the podcast. Yeah, yeah. No, thank you very much. One of the things I want to talk about next is obviously what is the SaaS? And you touched on that very briefly because we're kind of throwing words around at the moment. Some, some of our listeners might might not come across. But one of the things that you've just raised, and I think it's really important for anybody listening, is about the control. And it's something that we teach. And, and I had this conversation literally with one of our offices over the last couple of days where when we looked at the property world and you look at actually the process that people go through in the property journey so you, you typically find that people start off sourcing identifying and selling properties then they move on to renovations then they move on to conversions or hmos and, and they go through like a property journey predominantly in, in this sector mm-hmm. as they move through that journey the big key element that actually changes is the control because at the very beginning one of the hardest parts that a lot of people and particularly people listening to this podcast as it's a a general property community is that if you're sourcing a property then you've got the seller you've got the buyer you've got the funding you've got the solicitors and there's so many elements that are out of your control and that's what we talk to a lot of people about about moving down that line fairly quickly to give you more control and i see this as being one of the key elements to taking control allowing people to actually forecast what they're going to wear in that year because they know the funding side of it is already in place or there's there's a resource there by using the structure and utilizing SaaS with yourself, et cetera. So I think it's really, really interesting in that respect. I didn't sort of pick that up, but I can see that. And uh, certainly, I suppose there's a journey equally, isn't there, with pensions? You know, people generally get their pensions from one of two places. Either they work for somebody and then, you know, they move on to another job and work for somebody else and move on to another one. And they often leave these pensions behind. And what would be a big shocker when you talk about control is that there's something like 20 billion. This isn't million, this is billion of money, which is unclaimed and left behind by people who just forget. They used to work for a company and they just lose that money or they had a money with an insurance company and the insurance company was taken over by somebody else or, or just they just forgot because it was a few thousand pounds or maybe they did something and they thought, oh no, it can't. And they have a love affair with property in the UK, but they definitely have an anti-love affair with pensions. They don't like pensions. They don't speak the language of pension. And as a result, so much money is left unclaimed. And if it's unclaimed, have a guess where it goes. It goes to the insurers. There's lots of money which is just not claimed. So we just try and teach. Not It's not for everyone. You know, the whole concept of being in control, you can't have control without responsibility. So being a responsible person and building your wealth is how you know, a SaaS can help do that because it gives more control to money you've either already got you know, from these past pensions or as businesses make more profit, you know, they can shelter that profit in a tax-free trust fund, which is really what a SaaS is. And then they can use that money to help their business or they can use that money to build their wealth and they can use that money to pass on to the next generation, completely free of income tax, corporation tax, capital gains tax and inheritance tax. That's a lot of tax-free things there. You know, there's just a big, big secret. And um, it's my domain and my passion is to share as much of this as possible and say, hey, check it out. You know, it may be for you, may not be for you. You know, and certainly you should take advice before you move anything. But, you know, it's definitely worth exploring. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we've delved into quite a bit already. If you could kind of give uh, people a general overview of what is a SaaS, you know, what are the typical qualifications you need for to, to qualify as a, as a SaaS and yeah. that allow people to join it because anybody listening might think, well, something they're interested in, but how do I get into that? Okay. So, I mean, in simple terms, if you imagine we were flipping a coin, most people get their pensions from one side or the other. They either get it from their employer or they pay the contributions into personal pension. And then if you imagine 
Imagine the coin landed on its edge because there are three sides to a coin, aren't there? You know, the heads, tails, and the edge. And the edge is the small area which represents the world of SAS. And SAS is a small self-administered scheme. Small means it's less than 12 people. So it's a company pension scheme. So in the same way as on the one side, it's a company scheme. It's regulated by the people who regulate companies or company pensions, which is the pension regulator. Personal pensions are regulated by the FCA. And that's really important to know because moving money from one side to the other you know, needs advice. You know, it's crossing a divide, really. It's moving money from one place. But anyway, a SAS is therefore a company-sponsored pension scheme set up by a business owner, an entrepreneur, typically somebody who wants that control, hence small. It's normally a family business or husband and wife or partners, business partners or small businesses. It's not for big companies like BA or Tesco's or whatever, where there are thousands and thousands and thousands of members. It's really small. And because it's small and because it's deemed to be entrepreneurial, they've got lots of exciting dispensations and benefits that any other pension simply doesn't have. And one of those is the ability to, for example, use that money yourself as a bank. So you can, you know, if you've got typically, as I said, our average pension starting point is 300K, that money often, the first thing that somebody does is they want to lend that money to themselves, or at least 50% of it, which is the law 50% maximum. They can lend 150 to their own business and help the business. So it's no longer a pension that's sort of stuck until you're in your 60s or 50s. You know, it's money that you can use straight away. But because you are the trustee, you apply to HMRC essentially for a license. You have to be approved by HMRC. We'll come on to what that looks like. But if you're a business owner with a track record and you've got serious intentions to make your money work, you should get through that okay. And what I mean by that is you're not creating a company to get hold of the pension money and then go buy a Ferrari with it, you know, or to use it for nefarious purposes. The purpose of a pension in the eyes of HMRC and the pension regulator is to help people build more wealth so that they can better ably support themselves in the future. And so as long as you do that, and that's your intention, that you get approval, then those extra dispensations, you can use it for all sorts of purposes. And of course, we're talking predominantly, I guess your listeners are interested in property. So you can buy commercial property, you can buy commercial to residential property. And many of our clients buy property and then turn it into something that becomes residential so that you know the facilitation of the pension means it's a source of funds for all different types of property, really. And remember, is if you can borrow half of the money as well, you can do a loan to yourself at an interest rate of often you know, no more than one over base. So base is 0.75. You're borrowing money at 1.75%. How do you get money cheaper than that? You just can't. It's a huge source of flexibility, creativity. You've got to know what you're doing, but that's, we'll come on to, I guess, the qualifications and training and the different places they can go to get that knowledge and training. But it's just a hugely powerful thing. And, you know, those people who want to check out the the stories of, of people who've used their old pension money that they'd forgotten about and they took into money that's a part of their future, not a part of their past, is really just an incredibly powerful thing. And it's not all resting on the stock market, you know, which is where most people end up 
having their money just simply rising and falling with no control on the stock market. And while there's, you can use the stock market, there's so many different ways you can um, invest in the stock market more cheaply with protection so you can safeguard yourself. Many strategies for doing that, all of which we teach. But I hope that gives you a sense of the control and power. And because you can combine up to 11 people, it means you're pulling together, typically husbands and wives, say, or small businesses, pooling their money, which gives them more buying power which means now they've got cash. And if you've got cash, you've got more control over what you buy and what price you pay for it and so on and so on and so on. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think there's some really good points there. And, um, you know, as uh, somebody who's spent time in the community, you mentioned it earlier on about the community size. Um, one of the things, I've been to a few events now with the community of being in, and I've noticed straight away is, A, just how strong that community vibe is in terms of people wanting to work together or sharing information. And second thing as well is, you know, one of the reasons that we invited you, Kevin, uh, to, to the podcast is because the training that people have gone through I think you said earlier about pensions is an area where a lot of people bury their head in the sand because they just don't understand it. And even some of the terminology used in this podcast can, can seem a little bit scary to some people. And, you know, whereas some of the guys I've met explain that, yeah, from the very beginning, I really didn't understand what SAS was, but I knew there were opportunities. Uh, I knew I had money sat in my pension and it was earning very, very little. The growth was very small. And you've kind of taken them through them stages, um, almost hand-holding, I suppose, to a degree. And, and that's what you're training. And, and that's the feedback I've had. So I think that's a really good thing to get across to people is that if people are looking at ways that they can use this for property or just to get a better return, there are services, particularly like yourself, Kevin, that can help people achieve that and, and also understand it and digest it in a way that a normal person can, I suppose, rather than having to get some kind of qualification or anything along, along those lines. It doesn't require a professional qualification. The thing to to bear in mind, Stephen, and I'll pick up a couple of points that you've raised. I think they're very interesting points. The first one is about the use of language. When you're building wealth, your language has to change. It's like visiting another country, isn't it? You need some keywords. So when you talk about property and you talked about a property journey, and they go through the journey, say from, you know, if they started with buy to let and they go to HMO, oh, hang on a minute, that's a change in language. If they then go into SA and service, that's a change in language. If they go to Com Terezi, that's a change in language. So you have to learn the language and it's easier when you speak it to be more confident so we teach people the language but the other thing to bear in mind is to recognize what people were doing before they heard of SAS. so typically what happens is you know they put their money with an insurer they're normally paying an average of two percent of the value of those funds to you know the insurance company the platform the fund manager where the money's invested and the average return over the long term, when you take out booms and bumps and slumps and all those sorts of things, is say six or seven percent. So let's say it's six percent, and if they're paying two percent to get six, they're paying a third of their money to somebody else who's not really necessarily as committed to their wealth, the wealth of the the pension owner, and they're not really helping them create any more knowledge or value or language or an experience of any kind. So they've got a joint venture agreement with somebody else without really having a joint venture agreement at all in terms of relationships and all we're doing is saying well look at that and instead of paying that two percent just get a little bit of training create your SaaS. takes about three to four months to do but not more than that and then once it's done 
You can control the cost of that, which is not no longer about funds under management. The average SaaS client is paying, say, 1,000 to 1,500 quid a year. Well, that's half a percent on 300, isn't it? And if they build that up to a million, they're still paying just administration fees. So their long-term fees are getting smaller and smaller and smaller as a percentage. But they're making all the decisions. They're no longer delegating those decisions to somebody else for a third or more of the overall size of the cake. So, you know, I think even if people don't understand the language, just check what you're already doing and work out that maybe you're not getting the value that you think you're really getting. Exactly. Uh, you know, I completely agree. It's a really good point. Understanding, I suppose, is one of the big points. And another area as well, I suppose, um, and you're probably one of the best people to ask is in terms of managing your SaaS. Once you're actually set up, and you mentioned then going through the process can take a, a couple of months. Once you're actually set up managing it, is there a type of software or a format or a particular way that you would utilize to manage it? Or is that something that you would typically get from the organization that you work with? That's already making it sound quite complex, isn't it? So let's try and draw a parallel. In business, you know, if you said to someone, you're going to have to set up a limited company, you know, they could get scared about that, couldn't they? But actually, when you think about it, it's quite simple. You know, you create a document, which standard documents, memorandum and articles of association, you just buy them off the shelf, don't you really? They're really quite simple. You then open a bank account to operate your business. Then you've got to decide what you're going to do in your business. And then you have to report to the revenue what you do. So you pay your taxes. SAS is just the same, except... The documents are a trust deed, which just needs to be set up in the name of your business or whatever name you choose. You then have to open a bank account, which is a trust bank account. So your money inside your pension can be moved to where you want to move it. You've then got to send a report, which is normally done just by administration, to the revenue every year. So they know what you've done with the money to continue to qualify for it being tax-free. And that process a bit like using an accountant to report your tax affairs. You're just having almost like a pension accountant doing that work. And that's the work that uh, professional people do. We do it, but there are other companies who do it. So, you know, it's you can get that service for, you know, a few hundred or certainly not nothing more than a thousand pounds a year, typically. So it's really quite simple. The hard part is saying, well, now I've got this money, what the hell do I want to do with it? And can I do this legally? And can I do this confidently? And that's really why you know we put training together. There's no legal obligation, actually, to have the training. There is a government website called the Trustee Toolkit talking about you know what a trustee needs to do. You need to be responsible because ultimately you are the person, like a board of directors, you're a board of trustees. You've got to make decisions and document them. And some of that is on the Trustee Toolkit. But what it doesn't delve into, it doesn't really delve into specific things you can do. Like, you know, how do you invest in the stock market? How do you invest in property? How do you invest in commercial to residential? How do you lend to other people if you want to be a bank and fund things, you know, lend to people at sourced or, or fund a project on peer-to-peer? It doesn't teach you how to do those things because it's not really geared for that. So we are working on currently something like 60 different SaaS modules so that whatever somebody wants to do with their money, we've got the module that says, hey, this is how you do it. Watch this. This keeps you safe. You know, do a little test just to show you've understood it. You've got somebody in the background. If you've got some questions, you're not sure, they can help you. And if you want to be connected to somebody who's done that and have been doing it for you know many months or many years, 
here's a connection, go talk to them. So you learn what to do. So it's really done very carefully to keep people safe so they don't make mistakes, Stephen, and build that confidence. So we're very serious about doing it this way. And so far, you know, we've had great feedback on the quality of the education and great feedback on the quality of the support that they get. And as you testified yourself, the community is strong and growing every single month. It shocked me, you know. I'll tell you what's weird. When I spoke to my wife about um, an event that I went to in the first one we did recently in London, you know, there's like uh, 80 people or whatever it was in the room. And there's a buzz because everybody's in control. And there's a buzz about the word pension. It was absolutely weird. Yeah. Yeah. And my dad said, what? you got 80 people and they're all getting excited about the word pension. I said, well, it's not the word pension they're getting excited about. It's they've got control of the money they'd forgotten about that. You know? yep. and that's exciting so that's kind of what we do and we you know we have these meetings together with the great people at SAS Alliance uh, set up by a, a really good guy there called Mark Stokes who's one of our trustee clients and got so excited about his own experience with his business partners and their spouses well, he wrote a book about it and, uh, and you know, which he generously gives away ourselves very cheaply so that people can see it's not that hard lay people can do this that's fantastic uh, Sounds strange listening to people getting excited about pensions, but, you know, I can see where you're coming from and obviously being in those events as well. Uh, yeah, it certainly does come across well. One of the areas as well I wanted to talk about was how people use those, those pensions. You've mentioned quite a few ways. And I suppose from our side, from uh, from a source point of view, we have a, a peer-to-peer lending platform. I know you've dealt with peer-to-peer platforms, Kevin, um, and uh, we've got some investors um, that utilize both services. The way that we kind of approach it is more so that you have a range of people that have these pensions. Some people want to utilize the pension to purchase property or develop property themselves. And that's a project they're going to do. Whereas there's, there's a portion of people that either don't have time for that or just doesn't really float their boat, but know that they could get a much better return than what they're currently getting. And that, that's really where we've kind of come in and helped in terms of being able to help people invest into property projects hands-free and then generating a return of up to 12%. Have you had much experience with other platforms in terms of from a peer-to-peer point of view? Is it something that you've found investors are looking for? Is it more a case of not so much on a platform? Well, I, I know you've done projects where investors have all put monies in and almost created like a JV, I suppose. Well, yeah, I mean, so let's, let's talk about that. So, you know, the whole peer-to-peer market, and we don't need to get into the depth of details, you know, peer-to-peer versus, you know, crowdfunding. But but let's just talk about this whole concept of people being empowered to connect with other people. And when someone has got a, a SaaS, even if they've got money in their private bank, it's important that from our perspective, from the wealth builder side of things, is we just share and show people what's possible. You know, we don't promote something individually. We're not motivated by saying you should do this more than that or that more than this. It's look, if you... Here's a genuine opportunity if you want to invest in one of our assets or one of the assets it's possible, which is called joint ventures, which means collaborating and sharing value with others. How do you do that? Well, you know, there's peer-to-peer in the consumer market with, you know, Zopa and things like that. You've got peer-to-peer in the business market with uh, ThinCats and Funding Circle and those sorts of things. And you've got peer-to-peer in in the property market, which is very popular because you know, the obvious connection with the safety, the security, and the, and the tangible nature of property and the opportunity also to, in some cases, to visit the property and get a learning experience, which brings the money to life. Any of those things are possible within SAS. 
And what we do is we just teach them what each one does, explain to them what the risks are, and then they make their own mind up about what they want to do. And in many cases, as you said, you know, they'll meet someone and they'll want to collaborate in a joint venture, which is another form of peer-to-peer because it's just connecting people. And they'll make that connection entirely for themselves. And then we'll just teach them what are the rules about lending your pension money to third parties. And the key thing to understand is, you know, there are some rules, but one is you must be unconnected. So in other words, you know, I could lend to you, Stephen, because we're not connected by business. We don't own a business together. We're not, you know, in any way related by family. So that level of disconnection, we're not connected in blood or business, is one of the qualification criteria. And the other thing is you can't be connected after the event or during the event. You don't want people to be getting backhanders or I'll lend to you if you lend to me. You know, there's a whole dangerous area of people being connected without realizing they're connected. So as long as they follow the rules and they do things genuinely at arm's length, the whole process is actually very enriching and allows money to flow, whereas before it would have only flowed into the stock market. Now it's flowing between people with shared knowledge, shared values, shared relationships, shared experiences. This whole kind of sharing thing is what people are getting excited about, I think. Absolutely. Okay, fantastic. And finally, um, I know you're a busy man, so I'm going to let you go. Finally, your top five tips when investing pension monies. What would you say there, Kevin? Oh, top five tips, right? Okay. I would imagine, so we have a a process within Wealth Builder, Stephen, we call the Wheel of Wealth. I like it. Yes, and the Wheel of Wealth is my IP, which is my five key things that you do whenever you invest anything. So whether it's your pension, whether it's your money, whether it's your time, whatever it is. So this might be quite useful. Uh, So I want you to imagine, and I certainly can send it to you if you want, and you can put it in your show notes. The concept is you imagine a cog, and the cog needs to turn 360 degrees like a gear. And once the gear connects and completes a turn of 360, it goes off either cash or capital. That's the concept. So, And that cog is divided into five areas. So this is my five tips. So the first tip is always to start with education. So never invest anything unless you do enough research about how does the investment, how does this actually work? And that education needs to come from a place of trust, not salesmanship, glossy people, glossy brochures. This is genuine education so you do understand it rather than just buying something which you don't understand. The second is support to understand and ask questions because as soon as you start to dive deeper into education, other questions come out just as I'm sure people have different questions now. They've heard us for half an hour than they did before. So find a place where you trust the source of that knowledge and that's what we're trying to be is a place of trust so that if people ask questions the questions and the answers are not biased towards one outcome or another wherever you get that trust from seek out a place where you can get it whether it's a mentor whether it's a guide wherever you get that so you're always asking better questions the third is connection so the fastest way to learn not just educationally you know what should i do what could i do is to go and meet somebody who's already doing it. And then you don't just see what they do, but you see it brought to life. You get to see, well, what did they have to do? What did they do first? What did they do second? How did they fund it? What did they do? What do they physically have to do to manage that? Do I want to manage it that way? You get a whole expectation. At that point, you can learn something and go, you know, that's not for me. So rather than spend loads of money and time investing in something, you discover it at the connection stage. 
The fourth stage is due diligence. Now, due diligence is, again, one of those words that people, a bit like love, they don't really understand what it means or it means many things, many people. But it's really risk mitigation. What is the risk if I do this? How could it go wrong? And what are the series of things that I could do to protect myself in the event of that? And we've got a whole due diligence process of teaching to help people either do it themselves or to get some help if they need to get that due diligence done. And then the final thing is before I take action, we call it guided action. Whenever you make a decision, something's going to follow. So what's the tax consequence? What do I have to do next? How does this fit into my wealth plan? And then what is the next thing I have to do as a result of this? And is there any further complexity that comes from that? So, you know, there's all sorts of things. So if you're taking an example of investing with you, then and they're learning something and then they get their money back, well, what's their plan to do it next time? Do they just want to keep their money going round the same loop? Or was the purpose of that to learn something? And then they want to put the next level of education in so that once they've done that, maybe once or twice, they say, well, now I know this, I want to be a developer myself. I don't just want to invest in developments. I want to become the developer. And then that's a different action than if you were just simply investing. So education, support, connection, due diligence, guided action, click, and it should generate cash or generate cash flow. Either way, that should keep you safe. Fantastic. Excellent. Thank you very much for coming on our podcast, Kevin. I found it very interesting. and I know a lot of our listeners will as well. Obviously, um, we are going to tag some information uh, to the bottom of the podcast and there will be details of Kevin's site there as well. So if anybody wants any further information, I'm sure he's got no problems with uh, contacting him and reaching out to uh, ask questions or, or find out a bit more about the service as well. But yeah, thank you very much for your time, sir. No problem at all. And I'll send that uh, Wheel of Wealth over to you, Stephen. And I look forward to talking to you and uh, the people at Sourced in the future and, and hopefully helping some of them get access to some of the funds that you know we have some small influence over. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. I hope you found this interview very insightful. If you'd like to learn more about investing your pension via SaaS, there are some useful links down in the show notes. If you have any questions or suggestions for future podcasts, or there's a particular industry expert you'd like us to invite next, then email us at podcast at Bye now. Mm-hmm.